last week, um, Luke began by sharing when he met Jesus, it was like a fog lifted from him. Uh, in his life, he began to see a lot clearer. And this theme of identity, for me, um, is incredibly special. Almost 10 years to the day, um, I had been led to work at a summer camp in America. If you've heard my testimony, that was where I was baptised and, and where, for me, Jesus, um, the Father, Son and His Holy Spirit took a whole new um, life within my heart and with my eyes and, and my soul. And there was this moment that uh, I was reminded of this week and I, I wanted to start with this morning where I was in chapel with a 100 people, the staff at this summer camp in Oklahoma where uh, Joel and now Heather have inherited um, the state of Oklahoma into their lives, uh, a lovely part of America. There I was in this chapel and I was sitting there and they had all these bowls of water and I had no idea what was going on. And the, the, the speaker and the leader um, then led us through a time of, of sharing about Jesus, but then um, indicated we were going to be washing our feet that morning. Anyone here ever had their feet washed bare hands with water? A few of us. A few of us. Some of you may have had a nice pedicure. Um, I actually got one once. It was, um, it was very enjoyable. It was more of a joke. Didn't pay for it. Um, but um, moving on from that, where was I? So there I was, and they led us through this time of, of feet washing. And they took us to this moment where before Jesus died, there in John 13, it's recorded that before Jesus gave up his life, he washed his disciples' feet. This incredible, humble moment, the God from heaven came down to earth, and there he was, washing the dirt off these uh, his best friend's feet. And I remember clearly uh, a young guy came over to me and he chose me. Uh, he, he'd barely met me. I'd been there two weeks. I was from Australia. I was the only Australian. And he took me to the side. And as he washed my feet, he spoke life and truth and encouragement. And he prayed for me. And he prayed a blessing for the next three months uh, at this camp, which I had never been to. And I was on this incredible kind of adventure of not knowing what was ahead. But this moment for me where my feet were washed, uh, the reason I recall it is I remember just tears streaming down my face. The words of Jesus and the actual physical connection to who he was, that actually what does it mean to be in Jesus, to be loved by Jesus, to be saved by Jesus? That precious moment we heard about this morning just before that where he washed the feet, for me in that moment, and the heaviness at that stage, began to lift from me. And I remember just fears and worries and guilt just disappearing off me. I was 18 years old. I'd lived a double life in high school. I'd wrestled like a lot of teenagers. I'd partied. I'd had many girlfriends. And there were things and moments in my life that I was carrying as guilt and as worry, and it was a heaviness over me. And I hadn't fully handed that to God and received forgiveness. And there in this foot-washing moment, I felt a new freedom. And I wonder for you this morning, when was that moment or what moments this year or right back to when you first met Jesus? Or perhaps you never have. What would that freedom and that lightness look like? The second moment I start with, I have a photo. Um, Here we are in Shoalhaven at our summer camp location. We've been going for four years There's a lovely river, but on Sunday morning at the camp, um, five of our youth were baptised. And uh, I got this photo afterwards just to capture this moment. 
But for me, 10 years later, I stood in this pool and the freedom and the joy I experienced in this pool after four days, um, our theme at camp was, was to be free. And, and for young people and for all of us, identity is, is so key. Identity is a place that the enemy wants to steal from us, that he wants to attack. And so even um, of all the ages in the room, it's so easy that we forget who we are. But here at this camp, um, the previous night, um, I used to be a little scared of altar calls, but we saw five people come to the front and give their life to Jesus. And the next morning, a few others, different to those five, chose that they were ready to be baptized. And one or two of the new believers were baptized in that pool. But not only were these baptisms, and there was uh, 90 of us around the pool, but um, the joy of laughter and the fun as each kid, we clapped and um, we actually splashed the water around. We ended up singing and we sung where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And it was this moment where I just was so thankful, so joyful of my identity and the journey Jesus had taken me on. So these were two pictures of, of, of the love of and God's specific love for me and for the people around me. But if you're like me, it's now March, and those moments disappear. Luckily, I got a photo. But those moments disappear. And so the last week, as we looked at this theme of, of in, being in Christ, we'd spent three weeks on, on David's Psalm 139, where he describes us all as knitted together by God, fearfully and wonderfully made, as we heard this morning. We were reminded that God is all loving, he's all knowing, he's all powerful, he's all present. And that's our identity, that God is over all and in all. The heavens, the earth, he's everywhere. And then last week, that we are in Christ. The letter to Colossians that says we are hidden in Christ. And we we looked at the story of Jesus walking on the water and Peter stepping out and keeping his eyes on Jesus. But then he fell in the water and Jesus grabbed him. And that all we need to do is keep our eyes on Jesus and stay in Christ. But as I sat this week, as we're pressing into identity, I thought, but what happens? What happens to that that gaze we have on Jesus? That moment of our feet being washed, that joy, that peace. It so quickly disappears during our weeks at work with our families, wherever we are. And so this morning, I'm wanting to just sit in this idea and the question for us, well, how do we stay free in Christ? How do we walk in Jesus? We have these moments where it might be easy, but what about the hard moments? And we're going to be jumping into, um, for the next uh, month, um, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, and, and we're going to let Paul teach us how to stay in Christ, how to walk by him. Interestingly, we had a, a, a night on bullying and resilience for families on Monday night. We had almost 40 parents and children come, It's something we're wanting to start doing just to reach the community and serve families and parents. And amidst this hour seminar and Q&A, at the very heart of this seminar, um, whilst it wasn't explicitly um, Christian, but the speaker was a a lover of Jesus, um, without using scripture, the, the truth that he connected to was that every young person, every adult, every human needs to know that they are loved, that they are known. Five incredible important words that I am proud of you for a parent, for a friend. Um, and and the, the heart of resilience for a child to handle bullying at school or for an adult or anyone to walk on this earth, the more we know who we are, the more we know our identity, 
the more we know that we're known and we're loved, the same way we want to teach a child that each day, um, that will help when, when the waves come, when the bullies come, when the difficult situations. And for all of us, no matter what age, it's, it's that identity we need to hold on, um, who we are and that we're known and that we're loved. But there's a problem with all this. How do we forget it? Why does it disappear? And it's, it's an age-old problem that for just a short moment, I want us to go back to the Old Testament. It's very easy for us to remember the, the new day and age we're in, which is an incredible free age, particularly where we live as we come to church this morning. But Moses was an incredible leader. And Paul compares Moses with today in the text we're going to later look at. But to begin with Moses... Moses, this incredible leader, a man known for faith. Um, Here we have some of the desertous, mountainous region. There, um, This is a view from modern-day Mount Sinai. And there was a moment in Exodus 32 when Moses has been spending time with God. He'd been seeking God's wisdom on, on the people and how to rest, what Sabbath could look like. And he had these new stones. He'd written it all down and he spent quite a while with God. And he came back to the people who were in the desert waiting for the promised land. And as he got there, he heard cheering and shouting. And he said to Joshua, that doesn't sound like a victory song. And as he got closer, he realized they were singing and dancing and worshiping a golden calf. And as he got there, we read in verse 22. Don't get so upset, my Lord, Aaron replied. Sorry, he was with Aaron, not with uh, Jonathan, uh, with um, Joshua. You yourself know how evil these people are. They said to me, make us gods who will lead us. We don't know what happened to Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So I told them, whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. When they brought it to me, I simply threw it in the fire and out came this calf. Sorry, he was with Joshua. He's come back and he's found Aaron. And Aaron said, I don't know what happened, Moses. I got all the gold, threw it in the fire and out popped a calf a little golden calf, and so we all just started singing and worshipping around it. Moses was heartbroken. They had forgotten that God had freed them from slavery, and here they are worshipping a bit of gold. But as we look at this Old Testament story, as Moses returns to his people, the people that had been freed, there's such a truth for us. We know that the classic analogy for us is, well, what's your golden calf? But it is so true. The things that take our eyes off Jesus are the things of this world, are the the things of material nature, are the situations and the circumstances and the struggles. But Moses was a man that loved God. He sought God. And he didn't give up on these people. He burned the gold, he made it into dust, and he made them drink it. And then he went back to God. And he prayed in the tent. Some people stood around the tent and they saw the pillar, um, the cloud of God around this tent as Moses got to commune with God. But no one else could. But Moses, on behalf of the people, he sought God. And he said, God, if I'm going to lead these people, I need your help. Now, God had already shown Moses incredible miracles and wonders. But Moses prayed this incredibly bold prayer. He'd already seen God do so many things. But what did God, what did Moses pray? He said, God, show me thy glory. Show me your presence. Shine on me. Help me. Show me your glory again. This bold prayer. 
asking God for more of his goodness, more of his presence. He then, um, God said, look, you're right, you need my help. Thank you, faithful Moses in, in Exodus 33. And we read of this moment on the mountain in Exodus 34 that his presence does show to God. And we see Moses show us that we cannot do this on our own, the same truth for today. So I've got on the screen Exodus 34. We read that later as he's on Mount Sinai, when Moses finished speaking to the people, he put a veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites what had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses put the veil back over his face until he went to speak with the Lord. Moses had just seen not the face of God, but the saw God from behind. We read that anyone that looked face to face with God would, would actually die. His presence was so large. But he gave a glimpse to Moses. Moses would then receive the wisdom, the presence, the glory. And he'd walk down the mountain and he came back to the people. And the people were blinded by the glow. And as he shared what God was saying, the people received that. But then immediately he would cover himself with a veil. Because that glory was, was not fully for them. And they could not handle the presence of God. That was for Moses only, the leader. And so we see this interesting old paradigm this old testament covenant that there was a key leader later we have kings and prophets and priests but in this moment it was an anointed leader to communicate with god but when he got to the people they could not commune with god they communed with god through him and he then had to cover the veil only did they get to see a bit of a glow on moses's face but what we learn from this story is that the god's presence his leadership his guidance is how the people survive. It's how we all can live. And that truth has not changed for us. The same as the Old Testament. But in the Old Testament and in this this Old Covenant, the people were led through Moses. So what does that look like for us today? So the people of of Exodus, they had to follow Moses and his commands from God. That was how they stayed in their identity as God's people. That was how they stayed... Um, for us, we would say in Christ. But for us today, Paul wrote many a letters to the church. Paul was a man transformed by God himself. He had encounters like Moses where he was chosen and Paul was told to be an instrument, a voice to the churches, the churches that were built and spread across the world that have led us to be where we are today. And so for the next month, we're looking at the second letter to the church of Corinth. If you want to turn to um, 2 Corinthians, this morning we'll be sitting in chapter 3. But to begin with, in his um, first chapter, there's a, a, a statement that he makes in verse 21 that I want to read over us. These letters, like Ephesians and Galatians and Colossians, the Corinthians and here, these letters were passed around from town to town and church to church. They were circular letters. And so this letter speaks to Dural today. These letters that we have in the New Testament, they're, they're kind of like how-to guides for dummies. No, no, not for dummies, for God's people. But these are, these are guides of, of how to be guided and led by God. But these um, letters can help and speak us today, and, and they have impacted my life incredibly. 
But, but Paul begins, and a key theme that's coming through, and this morning, is that actually Jesus has given us help to stay in Christ. And then Paul starts his letter by saying, it's God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. It's from God. And he has anointed us. He's set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirits in our heart, his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. So here this ownership over us is that he's our father and we're his children. We heard the children this morning with their thumbprints and the cry that we are God's sons and daughters. We are his children. God is our father. And for us to stay in Jesus, to stay in faith in Jesus' death and his resurrection and the life that he can give us, he has anointed us with his spirit. And the spirit, the Holy Spirit, was something that I never knew a whole lot about when I was young. It's something that still today people can find, oh, the Holy Spirit is the kind of the, the confusing, odd, weird or scary part of God. And we kind of think the the Father and the Son and often the Holy Spirit can be like the little guy that floats around. But actually what changed my life is that this is not just the little guy, that actually this Holy Spirit is the person of Jesus. It is the presence of the Father. The Holy Spirit is our anointing and our helper. And that it is our helper that helps us stay in Christ. It helped Peter who stumbled in the water but then kept his eyes on Jesus. And it can help you and I when we when we struggle through our weeks to be reminded to trust in Jesus, to trust in God. And so as Paul writes, today we sit in chapter 3, and I want us to zoom in on verses 6 to 11. And actually our theme at Shekampau, our youth camp, was built around verse 17. But let me read to you this morning if you want to follow along on the screens or in your Bibles. From verse 6, he has made us competent ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Now of the ministry that brought death, which was engraved on stone, came with glory, so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory. Transitory though it was, will not the ministry of the spirit be even more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now in comparison with the surpassing glory. And if what was transitory came with glory, how much greater is the glory of that which lasts? Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. We're not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away. But their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has not been removed, because only in Christ is it taken away. Even to this day when Moses is read, a veil covers their hearts. But when anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. Did you take that all in?
this particular passage and letter transformed me and helped me understand this veil that had been lifted. As my feet were washed, I sensed the Holy Spirit lift the veil from me and help my eyes see Jesus and then things lifted from me. And the Holy Spirit has slowly been teaching me for 10 years how to do that every day. And I believe the Holy Spirit was our anointing today and for tomorrow and for every day to help us stay in Christ. Verse 6 speaks of a new covenant. The old is gone and the new has come. And the new covenant is built on our relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was poured out from the cross to point us to the cross. But our faith starts with the Holy Spirit lifting the veil, putting our eyes on Jesus And through Jesus and the work of the cross, we are now right with the Father, with God. Whoever puts their faith in Jesus by the Spirit is now set free and correctly right with God. And verse 8 speaks that will not the ministry of the Spirit be even more glorious? I'm not sure what your journey's been like, but it should be becoming more and more glorious. There may be moments where it dips. But overall, there should be a line that's heading upwards. His glory is wanting to transform us each day. And he's promised us that that what Moses experienced was nothing compared to what has come now. And as I've prayed this and sought this as a youth pastor the last five years, I've been amazed to see the freedom of God's glory enter into young people's life unchurched families, new baptisms, new stories, new salvations under the new covenant. But the new covenant changes everything. We're made new people, Paul talks about. And that's why by the time we get to verse 12, he says, because of this, we become bold. And this morning I sense that that Jesus is asking us this year to step into greater boldness as our identity in Jesus to become bold. But how? How do we stay in Christ? How do we become bold? By the Holy Spirit. By the presence of God. By seeking and thirsting and hungering like Moses. Show me thy presence. Show me your help. Get me through this situation. And you know, these words, they weren't a shock. And they shouldn't be a shock to us as we begin to read all of Scripture. Because the prophets that came later after Moses, they predicted this exact moment this exact ministry of the new covenant. Jeremiah prophesied, I will put my law in their minds, Jeremiah 31's, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. Ezekiel 36.26, I will give them a new heart and I will put my spirit in them. I will remove their hearts of stone and then give them a heart of flesh. Isn't that our story? Throughout our weeks, our hearts can become heavy or bitter or angry or grumbling like the people back in the desert. We become grumblers and complainers and the things distract us and we lose focus on Sundays during the week and we suddenly complain and get upset and angry and grumble about the things that don't matter. Perhaps we actually just need to go and say, God, Can you show me your presence on this situation? Can you bring light into this? Maybe just for five minutes when we face those obstacles. Because God has given us a new heart and we need that new heart each day. 
to become resilient children. They need to know that they have a heart and they're known and they're loved and they're unique and they're chosen by God and anointed to know the Holy Spirit, which can free them to handle what they come up against. And out of this relationship, Christ, we read, takes this veil away. And by verse 17, we read, where the Spirit of the Lord is, that's where there is freedom. In the new covenant, we have a new relationship, a new freedom to talk to God. Moses used to get to see a little bit of God and then take a little bit down the mountain, but then he had to cover it with a veil. But for all of us, when we look to Jesus, 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross. He rose again. Then he poured out his Holy Spirit in Acts 2. I will pour out my spirit on all people. And that we now are being set free. The veil is lifted. And we all have an opportunity to have a relationship with God every day of our lives. To become bold and set free. And so the the answer for how do we stay free in Jesus, how do we stay free with God, is through God's Son who sent his Spirit to help you each day. Do you know the Holy Spirit? Or do you know the Father and the Son, but you don't know the Holy Spirit as much? Well, I've found the last five to ten years, I've had to talk to the Holy Spirit, talk to Jesus, talk to the Father, and they all connect me to all three of the nature of God and the person of God. And my eyes and heart has begun to be transformed. But there's this greater freedom that we can now see God in all things, not just in the word. Whilst I read the word every day and that has transformed my life, his Holy Spirit is not just in the word, but the word says his spirit is in all things. It's in creation. It's in the sunset. It's in our dreams. It's in who we are. We read that Jesus holds all things together and his spirit is over all. But we need to take moments every day where we look for where where is Jesus? Where is the spirit of Jesus? Because that's where freedom is. And that's why in our situations, our struggles, our battles, we need to go, where is Jesus in this? Holy Spirit, can you help me? Where are you in this situation? Because I'm struggling. And I believe if we seek that long enough, he always shows us himself because that's who he is. That's his nature. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Jesus promised, I will send you another in John 14. I will send you a helper. I will show you myself if you seek me. And so we built our camp on where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And and this year we've been sitting in freedom a lot. And um, this morning... My dream and prayer for us is that this year we would learn to be more free in our communication, in our relationships, our families, our work, both at church and outside of church, as we sing and worship at church, but as we live and worship outside of church. I'm having a child in July, becoming a father, so I've been wanting to become, you know, a parental expert, so started looking at some books, some podcasts, And I found something that I reckon is going to just change my parenting. And uh, it was a podcast on the beauty of family. And um, there was a story. uh, She wrote the song, which actually I think we're about to sing. And it's called No Longer Slaves, um, But I'm a Child of God, uh, are these lyrics. um, And it refers to the freedom we can have with God. And uh, Melissa's her name. She's got two kids. And she was telling a story. 
and the kids were fighting late at night in the back seat of the car and they were going home and they were tired and the kids were crying and hitting each other. And I got a feeling my kids might have some emotional energy in them. And she said she'd had enough this night and they were crying and whinging and complaining. And she said, kids, where's the Holy Spirit? And they looked at her and they were crying and they said, we don't know. And as she told this story in her American accent, she's like, we don't know. And and she said to them, where is he? Where's Jesus? Where's the Holy Spirit? And they were like, we don't know. And they were crying and then they hit each other. And she said, where are they? And then it stopped. And she said, oh my gosh, it worked. And immediately the kids started laughing. And she said, why are you laughing? And they had a sense that they needed to stop fighting and they stopped fighting. And so I don't know what all you parents and grandparents do, but it seems that simple. (laughs) Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. I'm just not sure we're asking for that help. So I found, I used to laugh at this story and I've retold this story to a few of my friends that I found it hilarious. But there's a truth in this story. And she admitted this doesn't work. A lot of the time it doesn't. But she actually believes it does work and that it might not always look with the results she wants. But this mother has learnt that the beauty of family from a young age is, is inviting Jesus and his presence and his love and his presence, his glory, his goodness into each situation. Maybe sometimes it's out loud. Maybe sometimes it's inside us. But the truth of this this um, this promise, this letter from Paul to the church at Corinth and this letter to us this morning, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. That, that Jesus is wanting to help us stay in him and be free. And that what Melissa, this uh, worship leader, teaches is that it's an awareness. It's a mindset for us that God is both everywhere. He's omnipresent. He is everywhere and he wants to help us with our families and our friends and our workplaces, our struggles. But as Moses and as Paul have showed us, there is also God's manifest presence where he can help us in a greater amount. They'd received the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, but later in Acts 4 they prayed, God help us. Fill us with boldness. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. And they needed more of God's presence and help, just like Moses did and just like Paul is teaching you and me this morning. And so for us this morning, how much are we seeking and thirsting and hungering for the Spirit of the Lord, for the Holy Spirit, a daily relationship? Um, in the final verse, um, in King James Version of verse 18, it, it actually picks up the mirror image that we saw last week. And the, the, the most clear translation we read is that we all with unveiled faces, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so here we read, Paul is saying that all of us, Now, without veils, when we put our faith in Jesus by the Spirit, the veil is lifted. And like a mirror, we shouldn't be seeing ourselves. We should be seeing Jesus because he's in us. He lives in us by his Spirit. So when we look in the mirror, I see Andrew, but I know that Andrew is a child of God. He's saved by Jesus and that his Holy Spirit is in me and he's going to help me get through whatever I may be facing. And then as we behold, 
as we hunger, as we thirst, that that is where freedom can come. That is where the Spirit of the Lord is. And that is where he can help us bring freedom. And this was Paul's heart and his theme that appears to Galatians, to Ephesians, to the Colossians. Paul just speaks of grace, the grace of Jesus being poured out through the cross, but it's by the Holy Spirit transforming and renewing us every day that we are people of the Holy Spirit. Why don't we stand this morning? I'm going to invite the band up. We're going to end by just singing and and just sitting and reflecting on this song. So I'm just going to pray over us. Um, Please stand as, as I just pray a blessing this morning. And I just encourage us that that prayer is this connection and this ability that we now with unveiled faces, as I pray now, we're praying to God's presence and his spirit. We have prayer after church. We have prayer during church. We have family life groups. We have worship nights on Wednesday night where we can seek and thirst for the freedom that God can bring. So let me pray for us before we sing. Jesus, thank you so much that you died for us, that you rose again, that you came and walked on earth, and then you promised that you would send us your spirit to help us. Thank you that your Holy Spirit has anointed each of us to face the darkness, to face the chaos, to face heaviness. And I pray this morning, this year, that we would learn that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and that we would look for your Holy Spirit in every situation. And as we sing now, Lord, we look to you. Holy Spirit, come, help us, guide us. Amen.